Hello, dear friends. We are sincerely glad to welcome you again, and today we will talk with the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. Igor Mikhailovich, in our videos, in one of our videos, we discussed that it is exactly thanks to primary consciousness that we see images in our heads, that primary consciousness is the primary viewer who is directly connected with us as personality, and it is exactly the one who retells everything it sees to personality, and it is already personality that in its turn perceives what primary consciousness tells it and finances it all. So our esteemed viewers asked us a number of questions which boil down to the following. If personality doesn't care about this three-dimensionality, why does it constantly finance what primary consciousness retells to it? Can personality not finance these images at all? Can it not finance those performances which are played out on the stage in our heads? Does personality not care about three-dimensionality? Can it avoid financing images? By and large, it can. But in such a case, it would finance something else. Here, it has to be understood what personality is. We are again touching upon such a serious subject. In order not to delve deep into it, let's try to explain it briefly, but do our best to make it clear so that our esteemed friends understand what we are talking about. Let's imagine what personality is. It's hard to imagine. It has no image and no form. Well, let's take some object for comparison. So, there is a source connected to this object, which constantly gives out energy or something else. That's clear. Let's put it simply. Which is connected to a source of water and constantly replenishes this object. And being replenished, this object overflows, constantly overflows. Or let's put it simply, you hold a hose in your hands, from which water flows. You cannot close it. It will flow anyway. And that's where it's extremely important, where you direct this flow. If there is activity of our primary consciousness, hence we direct it there. And our water flows there. If we are Let's say, bogged down in some images or visions, this is secondary consciousness, hence we direct the flow there. And our water of life, so to speak, flows into those voids. They are boundless. And you know, this is like a bottomless pit where all our water of life can go, and we will remain with nothing. And what is the right thing to do? How to direct attention. We will repeat once again. We have a constant supply of this power, whether we want it or not. It will flow away. In other words, we cannot hold and retain that power which comes to us. I would compare it to light, the light which falls on us while we reflect it. And as it is reflected from us, it is redistributed, so to say, like a sunlight reflection to where we direct it it's not like water, but like a sunlight reflection, for instance. So the right thing to do is to direct it back. That is, to direct at least 80 or better 90% of this attention, of this power. While attention in this case is either like a mirror in our hands, which reflects sunlight, or like a water hose, which is constantly replenished, so to say. It fills our vessel, and we are obliged to pour this water out, right? Thus, 
If we direct at least 80% of it back, then water of a different quality will come, and it will not only change, or the sunlight will be denser and brighter. That light, which will come when, let's say, the contact is already established. When we primarily direct the light to where it comes from, then the quality of what is coming will gradually change to a different one, meaning to what will partially remain in us. I mean, here we already moved from you and I once spoke about fractions of energy. Yes, exactly. And so on. And so we already transition from a lower fraction to a higher one, right? This purity of fraction Certainly. depends on this very development of personality, right? Absolutely right. We develop as personalities. And when we develop as personalities, we will already be able to control where, how much, and what to give, right? And at this point, if we are on the spiritual path and return a larger part of power, to the spiritual world, when we already start receiving from it, that's when life begins. You see, everything is simple. But where do we spend this power, let's say, with this hose or this mirror? Yes. We either water someone else's flower beds or we just pour this energy of life, this water of life, into a bottomless well. Or with this mirror or sunlight reflection, we illuminate someone's theatrical performances in our heads. That's how we waste it. But can personality stop it completely? It can, but only when it becomes whole, meaning when it merges with the soul. When a person stops existing as an incomprehensible being, a beast on one side and an angel on the other, makes a decision and becomes an angel, then he will be able to stop the supply completely. Игорь Михайлович, but who materializes this world for us, for us in our heads, figuratively speaking? Personality doesn't actually care about what happens in three-dimensionality. Who gives importance to this three-dimensionality? You see, let's start with a simple thing. Everything we see and everything we perceive, it's not a fact that this actually exists. Why? Yes, we can argue about that, friends, but if we go deeper into this philosophical discussion, we can easily prove to each other that this is merely a matrix, you know, such an illusion of imagination, while in fact we do not exist. And that material part of ours, does it really exist? Do you know how many questions arise at this point? A lot. Why? Because everything we see is what is formed in our heads, and it's not a fact that it exists. And the funniest thing is, it's not a fact that it's in our heads, since we perceive this world through our visual organs. We are centered in the head, but the information is processed by… even that very primary consciousness is not in the head after all. And for whom is this world so serious? Who treats so seriously everything that happens precisely in this three-dimensionality? Primary consciousness. For it, precisely, this world is important. And the first one who perceives this information, the one who processes and conveys it, is primary consciousness. It perceives this world the way it wants to perceive it. I emphasize, friends, far from always the way this world is. But, you know, if we compare, let's say, there is a picture which is put together of puzzle pieces. And if we take a few pieces out of that picture, 
составляющих, да? Will our consciousness complete the picture? It surely will. Absolutely. It will complete the picture. These tricks are performed by primary consciousness. In other words, it will definitely fill in what it doesn't know. But the question is different. If we take just several puzzle pieces from this picture and put them, is our consciousness able, for example, to take ten puzzle pieces and put together or draw a picture that consists of a thousand pieces? It will not reconstruct. Or will it invent it? You know, I mean, it definitely will not reconstruct what is in reality. The funniest thing in this world is that our primary consciousness is mainly doing that. Having only a few puzzle pieces, it composes whole pictures, which should consist of thousands of pieces. That's true, especially in relationships between people. Everywhere. We understand very well how important openness is, because where there is no openness, it will um, suddenly complete. You know, I wouldn't even take relationships, because it's understandable. It's clear that in everyday life, consciousness tells us all sorts of things. Where there is no answer. Of course, but the most terrible thing is that it engages in substitutions. At the most important stage for a human, when a person either chooses, let's say, to follow the spiritual path or not, or he embarks on the spiritual path. And at this point, substitutions from primary consciousness begin. That's where it forces a person to go astray, to deviate. It is not even secondary consciousness, it is primary one. Why? Because it protects its interests. Plus, it is constantly in a state of confrontation with secondary consciousness. Whereas secondary consciousness is basically a storehouse of shaitan, so to say, with all sorts of tricks, worlds, and everything else. So there is a constant struggle Competition. between them for this very source. Certainly for the source, right. Each of them tries to draw attention to itself. Let's give a simple example, okay? For instance, we are talking. We are having an interesting conversation. It doesn't matter how many people there are. We are all enthusiastic. We're all talking about something elevated, something interesting. Or, for example, tritely, about politics or music. It doesn't matter. And here, say you are talking about something interesting, attracting everyone's attention, and you need to recall an actor. For example, you see him in your head clearly in all that. Your primary consciousness shows you his image, but it doesn't give you his name and then everything stops. Your beautiful, lovely speech, with which you've been holding everyone's attention for a few minutes, stops at that point. You see that person, you know his name perfectly well, but you cannot recall it. It seems to be on the tip of your tongue, yet no. Who is doing that? Primary consciousness. Why? It diverts attention to itself. Right. When you were talking about it, you had the activity of secondary consciousness that attracted all the attention, this very water of life, from your hose. Or, let's say, it diverted this very sunlight reflection to itself, while primary consciousness stayed without extra energy, without food. So when its function comes up, because secondary consciousness plays a little bit different role, it performs broader, more global comparisons, so to speak. This is our intellect, just to make it clear. While memory, emotions, everything. The back essence. Yes, that a six-year-old child possesses, let's say. This is exactly primary consciousness. I mean, 
selfishness, laziness, all of our human qualities, so to say. This is all which is inherent in primary consciousness. And most importantly, primary consciousness is responsible for emotions. In addition, as we said, it is multifaceted, it is multilayered, and it is very complex. It is even not as easy to understand primary consciousness as desirable, let alone secondary consciousness. In this example that he gave, does it mean that it diverts attention to itself through images and the back essence? In fact, it is memory. Memory is in the hands of primary consciousness. However, secondary consciousness also has memory. But that's a higher-level component, so to speak. You may remember a lot of various formulas, use them easily and everything else, but at a necessary moment, you may forget the name of the author of this formula. Meanwhile, you need to brag about it, to demonstrate your intellect, right? On the one hand, they kind of combine. There is the domain of primary consciousness here, so to speak, but it is secondary consciousness that dominates. So the primary one easily diverts attention to itself. You see how simple everything is, in fact. But in the same way, the secondary one easily snatches, let's say, that cheese away. If you remember, like the fox from the crow, well, just as easily, it takes it away from primary consciousness when people talk. For example, about something simple and ordinary at the level of primary consciousness. And primary consciousness starts to emote or do something else, to quarrel, whatever, just to attract a lot of attention to itself. And at this moment, all of a sudden, secondary consciousness enters into an argument and starts giving philosophical examples to cool down all the ardor that has flared up. I mean, this happens far and wide. Yes, exactly. Right. Interesting. It is interesting, yes. The only question is, where are you, my friend, at this time? You are giving life to these illusions, and that's the most terrible thing. Do you control this process, or does it… Certainly. …start spontaneously for you as they wish? Right. Meanwhile, consciousness should actually be the executor. It should be in slavery to us, not us to it, regardless of whether it is primary or secondary. Igor Mikhailovich, it turns out that when a person recalls the name of a scientist or an entertainer, he really searches through the images in his mind and looks for a clue. Sure. He tries to recall, to draw some associations, he searches through them. Well, some people might say, that's how our consciousness works, you see. I mean, we've taken an image of a person we are talking about, never mind, or some scene from a movie, an actor. We wanted to say, we've recalled it, and we are telling the scene, and suddenly we forget his name, right? Clearly, we start scrolling through everything around him. But is it actually us who start scrolling through everything connected with him and around him? After all, we have a lot of pictures running through our mind. Those may include movie posters, movie titles, even the inscription of his last name, who this actor is and what he is, right? But why would we need that if Even when we see his last name in the movie credits, we still cannot recall it. A simple question, isn't it? Attention, attention, attention. And again, attention. It's a very valuable and important power. As we said, the power of real, and everything in the universe fights for it. Igor Mikhailovich, I would also like to discuss with you such a topic as human transformation, the spiritual transformation of a human. In one of the videos you said that a human cannot influence the power structure, our holographic structure, but it is possible. 
to do that from the other side when there is the will of God for that. So thanks to you, we already know very well that the holographic structure, the power structure, has the shape of a pyramid with the top which is detached from the base. Thus, the following question arises. How to understand that a human cannot influence this power structure, but it is possible to influence it from the other side, meaning by the will of God? Well, it should be understood exactly this way. What is the role of a human in that? And look, there is a paradox here. On the one hand, a human cannot influence the occurrence of radical changes in him. I would say not radical, but those are global changes. That is, from being mortal, a person becomes immortal. He turns from an ordinary human into an angel. This is very serious. On the one hand, a human, even as personality, cannot influence this because this process takes place by the will of the spiritual world. But on the other hand, this doesn't happen without a human. It is only according to his choice and aspiration, when he deserves it, when he is ready. That's when it happens. And here's the point. What is the role? Of whom? Right? That's a good question. I understand that our friends became confused. That's why they are asking, well, let's try to explain it in a simple way, so to say. Again, we will have to recall, friends, that, let's say, from the perspective of higher dimensions, a human has blurred contours that are in a distinct geometric structure, right? What we call the human energy structure, or more correctly, the human power structure. It may even be called holographic. Why? Because the form doesn't change. The structure retains its volume and its shape regardless of dimension but it is not perceived in three-dimensionality, let's say, visually, or with modern devices. Although under certain conditions, all this is clearly manifested, in fact. It is also interesting regarding these geometric shapes of a human, so to say. Why? Because there are two shapes. One is pyramidal, and the other one is, pardon me, cubic. The cubic shape is when a person has already merged with the spiritual world, meaning when he has gained eternal life and become an angel. As we already discussed, this has been described since ancient times in many legacies that have reached us from the previous civilizations as well. Even quite recently, it was all used let's say, in that very icon painting, because the first disciples of Christ knew about it, preserved and conveyed it as secret knowledge among their circle, bypassing priests and their institutions. You see how interesting this is? Well, there is a lot of interesting information on this subject. So what takes place? Going back to the question, when a human strives exactly as personality and directs this very hose along with this sun, this mirror, this sunlight, reflection back to the spiritual world and spends 80, or better yet, 90% on that, then the opposite reaction takes place. And the more a person is in this love, the more he accumulates and sends it back to the spiritual world, the more he receives, and with each time, gradually and slowly, in this energy structure, he as personality, Meanwhile, personality is in the pyramid top, as we know. If a human is placed in the pyramid itself, there is a separation between the pyramid top and the pyramid itself. 
And so in this very top, our consciousness, meaning the guards, are actually located, separating personality from the body. And here, no matter how you look at it, what is called the silver thread runs through those guards, doesn't it? Once again, we already discussed this, but I'll repeat it, friends, since we're already talking about this. Why is there such an inner anguish as if there is compression inside and everything spiritual disappears and the world turns into such a hard, dark thing? Or on the contrary, the world becomes clear and simple. But there is nothing inside, just emptiness. Because when consciousness is active, when we invest too much attention in it, it can simply compress this silver thread. For understanding, Let's say it's like a hose along which this light or water flows from the spiritual world. Let's put it this way, from our soul that is located in the center of the pyramidal structure to the top of this pyramid, where we as personality are located, through the hose there flows the energy of life or the water of life. Let's call it this way, right? So it comes and fills us like some object, whatever, some vessel. Thus, we overflow. And when we overflow, where do we direct it all? Certainly, to our consciousness. There is nowhere else to direct it, right? If there is no knowledge. If there is no knowledge, yes. And here's one more point. Why in the beginning is it difficult to direct one's love to the spiritual world, to the soul? People work hard, try to do this, but they fail because the flow comes from there. We receive it from there. And when you have learned to feel how it comes from there, you already begin to understand and feel how to return it, meaning there is a counterflow. Eventually, the two rivers flowing towards each other do not mix, but gradually interflow, and in the end, they become one whole, merging together. How does this happen? The more we send back that love, this energy of life, which we receive from the spiritual world, the more of it, of a different and better quality, we receive back. However, if we waste it on consciousness, this different quality and quantity becomes sharply reduced. We have to take steps back and start from the beginning in order to achieve the same result, so to say. Whereas if we don't lose it, but constantly do this, then let's say the flow intensifies and this very exchange of the power of love becomes greater and brighter. Why? Because personality begins to gradually descend, passing through this silver thread. In other words, this is exactly that little island or that road through which personality can reach the soul. And leaving the pyramid top, friends, the closer personality gets to the soul, the shorter and certainly thicker the silver thread becomes. It's like a road widening. Well, shortening through widening. Everything is very simple. And so, at one of the beautiful moments, as a rule, this happens when a person is asleep. There occurs a fusion. I would say, when personality merges with the soul and an angel is born. Naturally, at this moment, due to the fact that the person has left the pyramid top, he literally leaves it, then his entire structure is transformed, meaning it turns from a pyramid into a cube, where a single being is located in the center. 
Meanwhile, consciousness is no longer between personality and the soul. It is already on the outskirts of the structure itself. It is displaced. Yes, it is simply displaced. And here, again, predicting the questions from our friends, although we talked about that many times. Will it hinder us? It will, friends. As long as you are here, as long as you are in the body, until your last day, until your last second, while you are here, it will still try to oppress and to manipulate you. You know, somehow consciousness doesn't really care who you are. Just a trite personality who gives away what is supposed to give it life. It shares its happiness, its life. Or you are an angel. You still continue to emit energy which supports consciousness, and your attention, on the contrary, becomes much stronger. So, at the beginning, a small distinguishing feature is a more pronounced struggle between primary and secondary consciousness. This is also how a person can identify this moment. In other words, it becomes more pronounced and stronger. Although for a person, as we already mentioned, he wakes up in the morning and nothing has changed. Everything is sort of the same as it was. Again, primary consciousness works as it did, giving the same information. That is, everything is habitual. Secondary consciousness tries to dominate again, but already, not over personality, but over primary consciousness. Meanwhile, primary consciousness tries to dominate over secondary consciousness. It's enough for a person, let's say, to pay more attention to secondary consciousness. And primary consciousness immediately takes offense and starts showing its intrigues. Again, why? Here it is interesting. A person is an angel. He's already free. He's already a part of the spiritual world. How can demons mock him? A simple question. Just answer, what do you think? It teases. Everything is very simple, friends, because the memory of this world still remains with primary consciousness. Personality also has memory, certain skills, well, a lot of things. Basically, our whole life that has passed, everything that we have received remains with personality as well, but it has no value. And it's not that interesting for personality. The back essence is the domain of primary consciousness. Absolutely right. We've already discussed this with you. I'll repeat it once again, just to make it clear. We as personality do not even perceive our gender. This is really so. I mean, we don't care who or what we are. While in this case, substitutions can easily take place from that very primary consciousness. It is fond of fashion. It is fond of self-expression. You know, to shave your hair or to dye it in order to attract other people's attention. Everyone fools around as they want. The main thing is to attract someone's attention, right? So, and since our personality, I mean, we as personality do not perceive the three-dimensional world at all, and we often perceive everything that primary consciousness shows us as a fact. Hence, there are a lot of substitutions. Many people already feel, you know, this sort of a split, when on the one hand, they understand that primary consciousness gets emotional, while on the other hand, they notice that somebody right. in them really doesn't care about those seemingly serious events that happen. Well, now you have touched upon doesn't care. They're serious events. Let's recall, friends, the following moments who have experienced, God forbid, those are bad moments, but anything can happen in life. When, let's say, a dear or close person or a good acquaintance 
passes away. Then on the one hand, consciousness says, How come? Secondary consciousness sounds the alarm. There is grief. It immediately counts losses, something else, those kinds of things. Whereas primary consciousness provokes an emotion. Grief appears in primary consciousness. All memories from the past. Of course, it immediately begins to yearn. That's it. It's the end of life, or something else, or how come he's gone, and so can I. And if you look attentively within yourself, somewhere deep inside there is someone who looks at all this and nothing touches him at all. That's exactly personality. This is the truth of life. Why? Because personality doesn't perceive three-dimensionality. It does not perceive losses because, you know, I would put it this way. Among this trinity, the most sane one is precisely personality because it understands perfectly well that this whole world is a quickly passing illusion, whereas life begins when a person gains life eternal. And that's when life really comes, while all those events are temporary inconveniences, often a lot of all kinds of incomprehensible and inexplicable phenomena from consciousness. When you do not recognize yourself and wonder, it seems that I'm a sane person, but why do I react either to this or to that in such a way? Right? Consciousness often manipulates the way it wants to. So it turns out that, on the one hand, a person is kind of insensitive as personality. But you cannot say that either. There is empathy. Let's say, when a person meets, for example, his acquaintance who is too preoccupied with the material world or who is far from spirituality, the person who meets him, for example, you, my friend, you meet your old acquaintance, you're already on the spiritual path, you understand that this is important, you understand this value and everything, but you meet a person who is preoccupied with something entirely different, he either drinks alcohol or, excuse me, is immersed in the material world, or he is climbing somewhere up the hierarchical ladder in this world. And there appears an inner anguish. That's an interesting phenomenon. Where does it come from? From personality. Personality is very much concerned about the lost angel. But there is a trick here too. Why is it not concerned about itself? And look, it has a very well-developed perception, intuition, in all our, let's say, paranormal contacts. When we feel or perceive someone, all this happens at the level of personality. And if somewhere a person sees lost opportunities in someone, he is anguished. But when a person is not even on the spiritual path, or even when he is on the spiritual path, he doesn't notice how the devil tempts him. When the devil leads him astray as a potential angel, almost near the very gate, and the person doesn't notice that. These are also paradoxes, right? Well, that's the way it should be. Yes, if you immediately think that it is probably the same for personality, whether it is me or you. I mean, it is sort of whole while here. You're right. In this case, we have put it somewhat difficult, of course. But I've understood you. Personality is not whole, and a human isn't whole. But it perceives, I would say, all of humanity as a single whole. So there is something in each of us that is part of a single whole. 
And still, there is anguish in personality for unity, let's say, for the whole world and for every lost angel. Igor Mikhailovich, it is also interesting how consciousness manipulates when you as personality see that the angel in another person is oppressed, so to speak, that personality is oppressed, driven to a dead end, then consciousness switches people. Of course, it switches them. It redirects this feeling of anguish from personality to something else but then again, and interprets it differently. If you are not developed as personality, you perceive this as inner anguish. You don't even understand that you are personality and what you are in anguish for. Exactly. And that's where primary consciousness easily twists everything and says, look, a person is achieving something in the material sphere. He has managed to build something, whatever. He has opened a little shop while you haven't opened one. You see? And that's it. All this is translated into envy. Consciousness immediately belittles the person and says, look, he's much dumber than you. You are clever, after all. You are capable of a lot. Meanwhile, he's already done it, but you haven't. So what is turned on at this point? Very often. In this case, as soon as primary consciousness sets this kind of a task before personality, secondary consciousness often turns on, and then they already work in unison. Just look, we have just told you how they fight against each other. But often in such situations, when there is a danger of personalities awakening, they attack together. They form an alliance. Quite right. Why? Because they fight for life. Both the primary consciousness fights for domination, for a better life, and all that. And the secondary one, everyone except personality. What a paradox, right? And here, having formed an alliance, they already begin to combine, to speak, to justify, and so forth. In other words, they completely confuse a person. And he is not even able to understand where this anguish, this sadness came from. But he was actually anguished for the lost opportunities of that angel. You know, it's like someone from the family is about to leave for good. Well, this kind of a state. That's why it is all interesting. It turns out that if you don't develop spiritually, then only you as a human remain in ignorance, sort of everyone knows everything, consciousness knows everything, and personality understands and knows everything. Well, there is no secret. All the prophets came and told people about that, and more than once. Yes. They said, there is no secret at all. But we can only create a secret before each other. Why? Because that's the way the world is arranged, and demons take advantage of that. They create secrets. You know, it is very important to become this clean mirror, because I remember that in the Bible it is said that we now look at this world like through a dim glass or a mirror, obscurely. And now I understand why we see obscurely. Only when we become this clean mirror do we really open and recognize the world and really recognize the Truth. Of course. But mirrors play a great role here. This is really so. I mean, what we perceive, it is all a mirrored reality, directed by our consciousness. One has to understand this too. Only after becoming free and leaving this three-dimensionality, I emphasize, leaving this three-dimensionality, only then a person begins to see reality. This is where many people have a question, does an angel perceive the world this way immediately? No, friends, we've already answered that, I'll say it again. It is just logical that such a question will arise. Nothing changes for a person, except that consciousness works differently, both the primary and the secondary one. But this is unnoticeable. At the next stages, the next steps of development, 
Yes, everything becomes clear, and a person clearly understands that. But that's not our topic today. Right? And great changes take place at the level of spiritual practices, as you described. Definitely, yes. Everything clearly changes in spiritual practices. You know, again, after a person comes out of practice, consciousness tells him, you see? And then in everyday life, it immediately puts everything in its place. It says, you've been trying hard, therefore, it works out. It's okay. Well, the most valuable thing we understand today is that in order to make the silver thread expand and to make this flow run in such a full, massive and constant swing, a person has to work in it. At least to make an effort. Absolutely right. Yes, there cannot be any surprises or miracles. There cannot be any. A miracle happens when you really direct your attention there all the time. A miracle is… When this convergence takes place. Yes, a miracle, my friends, is someone's hard work. And you have to understand that. So if you want to work, the most fundamental and the greatest miracle there can be, roll up your sleeves, don't be lazy, don't listen to your consciousness in this spiritual matter. That's first and foremost. And most importantly, let us love each other. Then there will be everything, right? Therefore, thank you. Thank you so much, Igor Mikhailovich. Thank you, friends, for being with us. I hope we haven't confused our friends too much. What do you think? If we have confused you, friends, please write to us. Thank you. Peace be with you.